It was a, it, just a cold day, and there was this old wooden schooner that was out in the Lake Michigan. How many read your church email? You come tell the story? Okay. You read it? Good. Tell me if I get it right. Um, so here's this, this ship, and it starts going down. 300 people about on this ship. And some of them made it to the lifeboats. Some didn't. Some were in the water. And there was this young man on the shore. He was a good swimmer. Any good swimmers here? Just one. Good. You guys are really engaging, you know. Remember the rule, right? If you're in the first service, what's the rule? The more you say amen, praise the Lord, yeah, right on, preacher, the faster I preach and the quicker you get out. Who said, wow, that's rough. 17 people were brought to the shore by this young man, a swimmer. He would go out, he would take one, he'd bring, it, bring that person to the shore. He'd go back out into the cold waters where the storm was blowing and bring another one in. He saved about 17 lives that day. He would tie a rope around him. His brother had the other end on the shore. He went out. His brother would help him back in. One time he was being interviewed by someone who said, can you tell us what's the one thing that you remember about that day? He said, well, that's easy. He said, out of the 17, not one person said thank you. It's Thanksgiving, right? Thanksgiving's coming in a couple of weeks. Or if you're like us, we're going to celebrate for like two weeks. Family. Thanksgiving is a part of who we are. Thanksgiving is our life. Amen? Come on now. How many are thankful today? How many are thankful that we're not outside? It's a little cool outside. I'm very thankful for the soft chairs you just sat in. And by the way, if you fall asleep, it's okay with me. You need the nap. We're to be people of Thanksgiving. Every time I think about Thanksgiving or we get close to Thanksgiving, I'll get up here far away from you guys. Like I told the folks in the first service, this is a long ways from you. But as I think about Thanksgiving... I love the weeks that lead up to it, this wonderful day of celebration. And so in our scripture this morning, I want us to kind of investigate, I want us to look at the idea of being thankful through the eyes of those who are involved in our narrative this morning. So in honor of God's word, would you stand with me? It's also good exercise. Turn your Bibles to the book of Luke. Chapter 17, and we'll begin at verse 11. Luke 17, and we'll begin at verse 11. Now, there's some phrases that you need to catch as we read this morning. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, this is Jesus. He traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, which is unnamed, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance, remember that, and called out in a loud voice. In other words, all of them together called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, 
have pity on us, or some translations would say, have mercy on us. When he saw them, remember that, he said, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Remember that. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And then they throw this in, and he was a Samaritan. Remember that. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where's the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to them, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Remember that last statement. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning. It's alive, and Lord, it needs to speak to us. Folks here, Lord, don't need to hear me. They need to hear you. So Jesus, speak. That's why we're here. We want to hear from you. We want to hear from your word that's life-giving. In thy precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. How many of you are here because you want to be? How many are here because it's just, no, never mind, don't raise your hand. Just a thing to do on Sunday, Peter. Okay. So anyway, interesting, this narrative that we just read here in the book of uh, Luke, man, this is a long way from side to side. I'm going to get my steps in. Hold on, I'm going to record it. In this narrative we just read in the book of Luke, you won't find it in Matthew, Mark, or John, just Luke. Now Luke is, you know, he's kind of into the details and he's the only one that gives us the, the narrative of the story that we have here today. So as we look at this, it says Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. It wasn't just a casual journey to Jerusalem for Jesus. He was on his way to the cross. And so as he was going to Jerusalem, they said he passed through the area of what? Galilee and... Thank you. Now we move on. Galilee and Samaria. So he's going through this area this of Galilee and Samaria, and he, and he comes to this unknown city or village. And when he gets to this village, on his way into this village, here's these ten guys that are afflicted with the disease of leprosy. How would you feel if you're walking somewhere and all of a sudden ten guys start yelling at you? In a loud voice. Leprosy was, was very common in biblical days. We find in the Bible 68 times that this idea or this disease of leprosy is mentioned. 55 in the Old Testament and about 13 times in the New Testament. L- leprosy was the most debilitating and ultimately deadly disease that there was. Very little was understood about the disease. And except for a miracle... Keep that in mind. Except for a miracle, there was no cure. Now, leprosy is mentioned all through Scripture, as we said. And the first time we see or hear of this idea of leprosy was Miriam. Miriam was Moses' sister. And she wasn't listening to Moses. She wasn't following his leadership. And so God struck her with leprosy. Now, 
it's good news. I have good news. It tells us later that God had mercy on her and he what? He healed her. In the New Testament, there's the mention in Matthew chapter 26, Simon the leper. It says that Jesus went to his house for dinner. Let me tell you something. If you were a leper, you did not invite people to your house. In fact, you weren't welcome in your own house. So we know that Simon had been healed. Jesus had healed him and now was at his home having supper with him. In the New Testament here, we see this reference to a disease and the disease that was healed only through the power of God. Today, this disease is called Hansen's disease. The reason is it was named after the Norwegian doctor who discovered the bacteria that would cause the, this, this leprosy, kind of that was behind leprosy. And that was in 1873. And there was not a cure, there was not an antibiotic for the disease of leprosy until 1981, almost 100 years later. So in doing the math, which I love advanced math, in doing the math, this disease had been around for 3,500 years and was incurable unless you received a miracle from God. It was a disease that would eventually take your life. You're going to be infected with leprosy and not know it for five to eight years. The symptoms started kind of like this. There was a rash or a sore that wouldn't heal on your skin. And then it begins to spread across your whole body. Bacteria would travel to the peripheral nervous system outside of your brain and then down your spinal cord and causing neurological issues. It would affect your hands, it would affect your feet, and it would affect your ears and your nose. People that had leprosy would, would uh, experience disfigurement because it would affect your, their muscles and your tendons. It would start to cause your bones and your ligaments to twist. Your hands would begin to twist and they would end up looking like claws. You would lose feeling in your fingers and in your toes. And if you, you could actually put your foot in a fire and not realize that you had burned your foot off. We see this story, and in this story is incredible isolation. Look again at verse 12. When Jesus came into the village, the lepers, what? Stood at a distance. They had to stand away from everyone else. You, you see, when you had leprosy, you had to leave your family. You couldn't go to work, so you joined one of these little colonies where they would live together, and you would never go back to your family again. You were considered an outcast of society. In fact, it was thought that, that leprosy was simply a judgment of God on your life. Now, interesting, these ten lepers that were far away, they see Jesus coming into the village. And all ten of them, they, they lift up their voice and they cry out. Check it out. Jesus, Master. They didn't say, hey, Jesus, or hey, Jesus Christ. They said, hey, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. 
Notice a couple of things. They refer to Jesus as what? Master. The idea of master in the Greek meant one of supreme authority. They were. Listen, these ten lepers were standing there and they were acknowledging the fact that Jesus had supreme authority. The second thing that that I see here is they, they didn't ask for healing. Did you notice that? They didn't say, Jesus, Master, heal us. They asked him for pity or they asked him for mercy. Now, no doubt, in their request to be healed, in, in this cry of their heart, there was a desire to be healed. But rather than asking for mercy or healing, they, they asked for divine compassion. They needed the mercy of God. Remember, a miracle of God was the only way to be made well. This morning, aren't we thankful that God is rich in mercy? Amen? Come on now. God is rich in mercy. Psalm 103 verse 8 says, The Lord is merciful and gracious. He's slow to anger And he is abounding in mercy. You know what mercy is, right? Receiving that which we don't deserve. Grace. Mercy. No doubt didn't request as they cried out, Lord, be merciful. I want you to look at verse 14. Sometimes, how many of you use the Bible app to do your Bible reading? Anybody? It's okay. It's Christian. Don't worry about it. I think having a real Bible is a good thing too, but you can really find those verses fast in the other work. Do you know in the Bible app you can slow it down or speed it up? Try it out. Go as fast as it can, okay? It sounds like Mickey Mouse reading the Bible to you. Or you can slow it way down. Sometimes I think when we go to God's Word, we read it with such speed. We, we're familiar with it, so we just read right through it. And in verse 14, I want you to notice something. I want you to notice a phrase. It said, what? When He saw them. When Jesus saw them. Man, what a, what a phrase. I, I want to encourage you this morning. Sometimes we... As we read the Bible, and we, we miss these blessings. We miss these phrases that are so incredibly powerful. So when we read this phrase, or this phrase that he saw them. You ever feel alone? You ever feel isolated? You ever feel deeply discouraged? One of the most comforting things to know is that Jesus notices you. Sometimes God speaks as I'm up here. And I don't know who you are this morning. But somebody here needs to know Jesus sees you right now. Can you just remember that? Wherever you are. Jesus saw them. When Jesus saw them, he noticed them. Psalm 33:18 says but the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him on those whose hope is in his unfailing 
love. Notice, Jesus doesn't go over to them. In the story, he doesn't go and lay his hands on them. And it's not because Jesus is afraid to touch the leper because we know that Jesus had touched many lepers and others with diseases all through his ministry. So it wasn't that. But it says that he didn't go over to them. He didn't lay his hands out on them. He didn't reach out to them. In this particular case, he just simply gave them a small command that said what? Go show yourselves to the priests. Now I find that really interesting. I mean, if I was Jesus in that situation, I'd just gone and touched all ten lepers. But from afar off, he said, go show yourselves. Go show yourselves to the priest. Why would Jesus, why would Jesus say this? Why would this be the way that Jesus gave them their healing? And, and so I, I just, three things kind of jumped out at me. The number one is that he did it to affirm God's commands. Do you know that in Leviticus chapter 13 and 14, two whole chapters to tell the priest how to handle lepers. There were certain things they had to do according to the law in these two chapters. So the priests were kind of like the health organization. They were the ones that would determine if you were unclean or clean. And Jesus tells these ten guys to go show themselves. And the priests are basically in this role simply affirming the law of God. That's the first thing I see. The second thing that I see is that Jesus told them to go show themselves to the priests to testify to those priests. The fact that Jesus is God. Remember, it, it, there's no cure, right? Except for a miracle of God for the leper. Not only did Jesus know this healing would be a blessing to those ten, but he also knew this is going to be an eye-opening experience for those priests. I could just imagine those priests when those ten guys show up and they're like, okay, what are we supposed to do in this situation? I know, uh, where was it? Where was? Oh yeah, it's in Leviticus. Let's go back and read it. Let's review it. And okay, this is what we're supposed to do. The priests would have to acknowledge the fact that there was no natural cure for these ten. They would have to acknowledge that Jesus had healed him and that Jesus was the Son of God. These priests would be forced to recognize that they were cured because of the divine power of God. So this not only was helping these ten lepers, but also helped these priests to see that God cares for them. God wants them to know the truth, that He is Lord. He wants even the priests to realize He is Jesus Christ, the divine Son of God. Can I just tell you this morning, and understand something, that when God does something in your life or in my life, it's not just for me, it's for those who are around me, those that work with me, those that I'm acquainted with. And the reason is, so they can see the glory of God, a living testimony. So Jesus just wanted the opportunity for these priests, as well as these ten, to see and realize who he was. And the third thing that came to me was, came to my mind, the way Jesus did this with these lepers when he told them to go show themselves. He was testing the faith of the lepers. 
See, according to Old Testament law, you were supposed to go show yourself to the priest and be declared cured from leprosy. These guys, when they took off, when Jesus said, go and show yourselves, when they began to take those steps, they still had leprosy. As they began to walk toward the temple, all of a sudden something began to happen. Lepers, I didn't tell you before, but did you know the lepers were, were demanded to tear their clothing? Just hang like rags so you could see the sores. Some of them would wear a mask or a cloth on their face because their nose had fallen off. Could you imagine those ten lepers walking? And all of a sudden, the guy sneezes. And he puts his hand up, and all of a sudden, my, my nose is back. He begins to look all over his body. The sores, they're gone. It wasn't until they began to walk. They, it says, while they were on their way, Sometimes it's instantaneous. Sometimes it's progressive. Like these were cleansed as they went. Church, listen. Faith demands that we step out and trust God before we see the results. Faith isn't seeing the results and then praising God. Faith is praising God before the results even happen. So we give thanks to Him. The ten were on their way. They get healed on the process. If my 65-year-old legs would, would do it, I'd run from one side to the other. But let's just imagine that. They're going. They're on their way to the temple. All of a sudden, they, their skin is clear. It's clean. There's no oozing sores. Their ears have gone down to normal size. Their nose is back. They have feeling in their legs. They have feeling in their hands. All ten of them, as they're in this group, but only one. One of them looked and said, oh my goodness, look what's happened. And what did he do? The scripture tells us that he turned around and he beelined it back to Jesus and he fell at Jesus' feet, humbly thanking and praising God. He was a Samaritan. Samaritans were considered half-breeds. Very derogatory. Samaritans were a race that was the result of the Jews intermarrying with the Gentiles. There's this long-standing hostility between the Jews and the Samaritans because the Samaritans were looked at as a lower class of people. This one leper out of ten who happens to be a Samaritan. I mean, think about it. He was an outcast because he was a leper, but he was a Samaritan leper. It doesn't get any worse in life. It was him, an enemy of the Jews. Jesus is a Jew. He came to Jesus. 
the one out of the ten. The social outcast of outcasts. He's the one that came. He falls on his face and he worships and gives thanks. Then look at verse 17 with me. Jesus asked the question. Hmm. One. Weren't there ten? Where's, where's the other nine? Verse 18 says, Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Notice when Jesus says this to the Samaritan, this foreigner, the one of the ten who came back, look at what he says to him. <laughs> right there, the last verse. What does he say? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. I was thinking about that. I want to leave you with three thoughts here. The first thing that we see, the ten cried out to Jesus, but only one came back to thank him. And what I want us to see is how this points to this incredible unthankfulness, ingratitude. Lack of thanksgiving in the nine. These nine were incredibly unthankful. When I read this, I don't know about you, when I read this, it challenges me. Challenge, because I have to ask myself these, some questions. For the first question I have to ask is, do I thank God as often as I ask God? Do I thank God as often as I ask God? Do we give God the glory He deserves when we receive from God what we don't deserve? One day, one of these days, I'll, I'll tell you the testimony of our daughter who was in a tragic accident. And I remember when the call came and Myrna and I and the other children were driving to the hospital. I cried out to God. I prayed every single moment from the time I got the call till I got to the hospital. And I said, God, please, please keep her here. We got to the hospital. She was alive. And it struck me as I even prepared for this message. God, did I ever thank you as much as I asked? I mean, think about it. Doesn't it bug you when you make a nice meal for somebody and they don't say thank you? <laughs> Does it bug you? No? Okay, it bugs me. I'm easily bugged, I guess. How about you do something nice for somebody and they don't say thank you? Why is it then, why is it that we do that to God? We beg God, we ask God, we, we go to Him when our life is challenged with something. Life is incredibly hard, incredibly painful. Can you remember a time and you cried out to God and we pray for something and then He answers us and then we forget to come back and say, thank you, God. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, the Scripture tells us this. Give thanks, now come on now, 
Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. We should give God thanks for who He is, not based on the results of what we may or may not receive. We thank God because why? God is worthy of our praise, amen? He is worthy of our praise. Some of, you know what? I just got to tell you, it might be the last time I preach here. Some of us are going to be really surprised when we get to heaven. Because, man, it is going to be one loud experience. Because we're going to be, hold on now, we're going to be dancing and praising God for eternity. <laughs> That's not the way we did it down there, God. Besides, we don't want to get too carried away, right? Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you and me. We thank God because He's worthy. We give Him glory no matter what. Because that's the will of God. It's about maintaining an attitude of gratitude. You've heard that before. To be thankful people. Psalm 100, verse 4. These are really familiar words. You know this really, really well. It's probably one you memorized in Sunday school. Sunday school, that used to be a time that we would go to class and little kids and all of this. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. As soon as the ten got what they wanted, remember, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Jesus says, go show yourselves. They go to the temple. They're healed on the way. But as soon as the ten got what they wanted, they forgot all about Jesus. Oh, God, help us. So the challenge to us today is don't be like the nine, but be like the one. Amen. Don't be the nine. Be like the one who returned and gave praise and thanksgiving to Christ. Now, I want to point something else that's just a blessing in our Scripture. Quick thought. Back in verse 14, it says, when they went, they were cleansed. So remember that word, cleansed, okay? They were cleansed. And then verse 15, when he came back, he, he saw that he was healed. So, so remember that word. Now, if you look at verse 19, he says, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. That word, made you well, goes far beyond physical healing. In the original Greek, that's soko. The others were cleansed physically, made whole physically, and then Jesus said, you've been made well. That was salvation. That was soko. When the angel told, remember when the angel told Joseph? He will save 
his people from their sokos, from their sin. Interesting. This same word is given in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. You know this one really well too. For it is by grace we are saved. We are soko through faith. And this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. You see, all ten received healing. As far as we know, all ten, it says they were cleansed as they went. They received cleansing, but only one received salvation. Nine of them got something that was temporal. One of them received something that was eternal. Ten were healed physically. But all they did was improve the quality of their life. And I don't mean that it wasn't something amazing that all ten of them were healed. I don't want to take away from that. But if we only go to Jesus, listen folks, if I only go to Jesus, if we only go to Jesus for simply what we can receive to improve the quality of our life. Oh God, I really need this. Oh God, I need you to do this. And all it's doing is improving the quality of our life here. We have missed it. Lord, fix my body, fix my mess in my life. That's it. If that's as far as it goes, then we deny the eternal significance of what Jesus does. What an incredible blessing. What a gift that has been given to us. A gift that compels me to be thankful. Let's not be one of the nine, but let's be the one. There's an old song. Right now in my heart, I feel like singing it. But that might really ruin the spirit. It's an old chorus. Raise your hand if you remember it. I won't make you sing it, but just... Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Thank you, Lord, for giving to me Thy great salvation, so rich and free. The greatest blessing we have is salvation through Jesus Christ. How long has it been since you've expressed your thankfulness? When was the, when was the last time? When's the last time you knelt? At the feet of Jesus. I don't mean physically, but in your heart. You just knelt and with humility. You said, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for healing my soul. We use words, folks. We use terms in the in the church and as Christians, I'm so glad I'm saved. Let it sink in afresh and anew this morning. Jesus has saved you. He saved you from death, hell, and the grave. And he saved you unto eternal life. Thanks be to God. 
I can't think of a better time to come to the table, right? In a few days, uh, you're going to gather around your table and you're going to have all the food and the fixings. And so I thought, and, and hopefully you're going to invite your family, <laughs> close friends, or maybe it's just going to be you and Jesus. That's okay too. But I thought this morning um, that maybe we could come to the table as a family. Whenever we cook the turkey successfully, you ever had an unsuccessful turkey? <laughs> I put a turkey in one time. Eight hours later, it's like, what is wrong with this bird? I forgot to turn the oven on. I think we had Thanksgiving about 9 o'clock that night. But it was sure cool and fun when you get to say, okay, everybody, let's come to the table. And you sit around the table. And you give thanks for what God's done. So this morning, we're going to gather as a family around the table. Now, I realize that's a very small table. It's kind of like at the house, you know. The big people are going to eat here, and the little table over there, that's for the kids. But we're going to come to the table as a family. That means you got to love your family, right? So what we're going to do is something very different. Those that are helping us with communion know they're going to be in the back. So these two sections, you're going to exit out this way, and you're going to come. You're going to receive your elements. You go here, you go that way, receive your elements, and then we're going to gather down front. We haven't been very this close since COVID started. If you're not comfortable, just like go to the end of the table. This group, you're going you're gonna to go out and come down and grab your element. You're going to go out and grab your elements and come down. And I just want us to gather as a family. But as we gather, as you hold the elements, I want you to begin to just thank God for the salvation that he has brought. My life was lost. My life was cursed until Jesus brought salvation. And I'm so sorry to say that I'm not always as thankful as I should.